writings on the wall. Both from the book of Daniel. Unfortunately, we're not looking at either of those chapters this evening, but both from the book of Daniel. But Daniel, instead of being a book of nonsense that's dangerously offensive, for us as God's people, it's a powerful book. It's an incredibly relevant message for every single one of us today. And I want to read through um, chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasures house of, treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Young men without physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well informed, quick to understand and qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years and after that they were to enter the king's service. Among those who were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. The chief official gave them new names to Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now God had caused the official to show favour and compassion to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my lord the king who has assigned your food and drink. Well, why should he see you looking worse than the other young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guards, whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but pizza and, oh sorry, no, um, vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and tested them for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier and better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away the choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. At the end of the time set by the king to bring them into his service, the chief official presented them to Nebuchadnezzar. The king talked with them and he found none equal to Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael and Azariah. So they entered the king's service in every matter of wisdom and understanding about which the king questioned them. He found them ten times better than all the musicians and enchanters in the whole kingdom. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King Cyrus. Like I've already mentioned, in Western society, there is a hugely differing, changing view 
to Christians day by day. If we see the next slide, please. Uh, Tim Keller said this recently. We're entering a new era in which there is not is not only no social benefit to being Christian, but an actual social cost. Don't don't worry if it doesn't work. In many places, culture is becoming increasingly hostile toward faith and beliefs in God, truth, sin and the afterlife are disappearing in more and more people. Now culture is producing people for whom Christianity is not only offensive, but incomprehensible. Enter Daniel and his mates. And for us in the UK, the book of Daniel. So relevant today and I highly recommend um, Alistair Begg's book. Now, not because the book of Daniel maps out some strategy, how we're going to deal with our status that's rapidly diminishing and we recover it. And not because we, oh, must follow Daniel because he was this amazing example. No, instead, we follow Daniel's God. Because Daniel and his friends are not the heroes of the book. God's the hero of the book. And this is why Daniel is such a relevant book for men to read and study today. If you're not really sure what to read at the moment, you know, in your own devotions, grab the book of Daniel and and get some um, good uh, commentary to read alongside it. Because the message is this in the book of Daniel. And in chapter one, we'll see. God is all powerful and sovereign, not just today, but yesterday and forever. So how can we as Christians keep faithful in this culture? We can do this by looking to the God that Daniel knew. But there are temptations, hey? There are temptations when the challenge comes um, to, yeah, capitulate. I mean, in, in, in some ways, perhaps when, when, when we get as Christians really, for, oh, sorry, I forgot. I might throw a few questions out um, just to check if you're awake. Um, if you don't answer them, that's fine. We'll, we'll just move on and eat pizza um, quicker. But at, at times when, I don't know, maybe at work or at school or college, whatever's going on and being said, and you just think, oh, my goodness, Christians, we're just so just getting battered, hammered, we're outdated. Is there any point or or shall I go on living my faith openly or the temptations? Well, what are some of the temptations for us when we feel cultures really just hitting us in the face and contradicting the way we live? Well, what are some of the temptations we might slip into? Say nothing. Yeah, go quiet. Go with the crowd. Yeah. Look, it's, it, it's, just, it's just easier to keep quiet, get your head down, just go along with everyone else. Yeah? Any other temptations? Yeah, there is temptation. Let's withdraw, because it's all bad there. Let's run inside, pull up the bridge. Oh, we're safe. And some Christians take to social media as well, don't they? And big rant, big explosion. 
there are real temptations, aren't there, in different ways. But I think, just looking at Daniel 1 and 3 this evening, we're going to find real hope. We're going to find real help and strength that's going to motivate us. I trust all of us um, to faithfulness. Let's have a look at the next slide here. Um, Because on our outline, our our first point, we, we might be tempted to think... As I was reading Daniel 1, I mean, where, where, where is God? Where, where, where is God at a time like this? I mean, where is he in Crowborough or where I work? Or you should, hear, you, you, you should hear the language or the culture or what they think of Christianity. Where, where on earth is God there, Wes? Because at the beginning of chapter 1, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon, he comes, he grabs hold of all the best. He cherry picks them because he's besieged Jerusalem. And we're thinking, hang on a minute. This, this, is, this is God's people in God's land with God as their king. This shouldn't be happening. And so we also might ask, not only um, where's God in all this, but why, why is God allowing this to happen? Well, very simply, he allowed it to happen in Daniel chapter 1. Note this carefully, because we have a faithful God. We think of God's faithfulness as maybe only giving us good things. But God's faithfulness is being true to his word and true to his character and true to what he's told his people. I mean, what had God told his people, the Israelites, again and again and again in the course of history? What had he warned them with? Yeah. You, you turn your back on me, you sin. Exile, exile awaits you, I'm afraid. And we need to realize that God is very much here in these first couple of verses. God is even allowing all this to happen. It says there, the Lord delivered Jehoiakim into his hands. This was all in God's sovereign plan. And we need to learn that and we need to remember that. We need to understand that God is everywhere. He's always with his people. He's always faithful to his promises and those ones that include judgment as well. So even in our darkest, loneliest and and even most rebellious of times, as a nation and as individuals, God, God is present and God is at work in his way. Now, I imagine the parents of Daniel and his friends taken into captivity. I mean, they must have really been despairing. How how can God allow Aren't we the children of the covenant? Aren't we his special treasured possession? Haven't we been told this and handed down through generations? Maybe you ask the same with, you know, what's going on in society today? Those of you who are parents or grandparents, you you think about your kids at school. Let's have a look at the next slide. You know, just imagine the things that are being taught. You know, some of the, the, the sex education that goes on for children at the youngest of ages. Maybe you've experienced it. Maybe books have come home or they've been explaining and sharing lessons that they've had and you feel like pulling your hair out. Because look at verse 3 onwards. tells how the Babylonians, they cherry-picked Daniel and his friends, dragged them off to Babylon and then they subjected them to a very clever strategic political program. In effect, they were taking them from everything they ever knew and they were replacing it with their own ideology. 
that sound familiar for our education system today so often? Get them away from everything that they're familiar with. Take security, take away their routine, get them to read a whole literature, because what you read and what you're trained to think in really does change who you are. I mean, you think of some of the pressures that are on our young people especially. And that's not mentioning, for example, social media. How, how is, how, I mean, social media can be great in lots of ways, but how can social media be, be used really, really badly to influence our culture today? What, what, what are some of the ways of that and social media and its difficulties? It's non-stop. It is drip, 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 drip. It's, it's non-stop, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And, and we're all targeted, aren't we? According to our age and all the logarithms and so on. And right, they're just the constant. Right, you're this age group. You're this particular right. It's just constantly fed this, this narrative that is, you know, not God's narrative, but it's the world's narrative. Daniel and his friends would have been taught new languages, mathematics, astronomy, medicine, Babylonian history, Babylonian political ideology, and it was a completely different worldview. It's funny at times, isn't it, how we just think, oh, look at the state of the world, and it's never been like this before, and it's all going down. It was like this in Daniel's time, way, way, way before. And everything they were being taught was from a Babylonian perspective. They were taught Babylonian priorities and preferences. Babylonian definitions of right and wrong. I mean, Nebuchadnezzar was a really clever man. He, he knew what he was doing. Even giving them new names. Try, tried to strip away their, their identity. Trained to be loyal to the king. And probably the king, you know, added the threat. Embrace all this new teaching. You know, serve in complete obedience and you just never know. It may, it just may go well for your family back home. And we can imagine their parents asking, did we, did we follow God for nothing? That our children have been taken like this. I mean, these are some of the questions maybe Christian parents even ask today. What will become of them raised in Babylon? Let's have the next slide, please. And like all parents, they, they probably would have asked, you know, what, what's going to happen to their faith? You know, maybe you've sent someone off to uni. Maybe someone's moved north or I was going to say south. Well, yeah, you can go a little bit south from Crowbrook, can't you? Or even overseas. And what, what's going to happen to them? Are, are they going to stand strong? Or, or, the, or they start work. You know, or they go into the sixth form or they go out and get a job for the first time and things. Well, what's going to happen to them? Are, are, are they going to contend for the faith? Or And that's why the message of Daniel is so important about being God's people living in a kingdom that was back then set up to deny and defy God. And yet we see Daniel and his friends are able to make a stand. And so we mustn't lose heart and despair. 
you, you will come across Christians that they're always, oh no, oh no. And, and it's, sometimes it's, uh, yeah, I understand it, but it, it can be a little depressing. It's like, come on, hang on. This has been happening forever and a day. Let's go back to the Roman times. You know, some people are despairing about ever praying, you know, for, for our government, for our king now. You just think, what? Paul was telling the people back then to pray for the Roman emperors who are like chopping people up into bits and feeding them to the lions. And he was saying, pray for them. You know, let's be careful. We understand what happened in the Bible. I think our major, major difficulty is, especially if you're my age and older, we tend to think, oh, wow, how things have fallen in our time. I mean, 100 years ago, 50 years ago, it was probably what one of the only, the only quite supportive, you know, encouraging times to the Christian faith ever in the history of the country. I mean, just think of Pilgrim Fathers. I mean, think of the, the Wesley brothers. I mean, they, they had to leave the church, the established church, because they weren't allowed to preach the Bible. And so the, Dan, the message of Daniel is incredibly relevant. God has placed us here for such a time as this, not to despair, but for us to stand confidently. So thirdly, God calls his people everywhere to make this stand. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and wine. This was to be this one big issue that Daniel and his friends made. Right, they said, that's it. Enough compromising, enough going along with everything, this far and no further. This is where they drew the line in the sand. We see the next slide, thank you. Daniel and his friends had gone along with so much. Change of culture, language, education, political worldviews, even their names. And they probably had little choice if they wanted to stay alive. But, but, but on this issue, they decided, right, this is it, enough's enough. Now, so much has been said about why this particular issue. I don't think we exactly know because of some of the other things that they did go along with. I mean, what about losing their Hebrew names? What about being taught sorcery, astrology? Surely forbidden for Jews. So we don't really know. Now, we know the Jews had dietary laws to make them distinctive, set apart from other nations. So maybe this is the one big issue. But please, we, we have got to be careful as Christians. Because historically, as God's people, we, we have made huge mistakes here. We have decided, right, on this issue, this is the Christian stance. And woe betide anyone who crosses that line. And, and that, friends, that, that, that's, that's not helpful. We all have different consciences. We all live and work in different places and situations with our friends, our family, our work colleagues and so on. And we've all got to make a stand, definitely. We've all got to draw a line and say this far and no further. But it will be different for all of us. Why is it dangerous when we say, ah, Christians shouldn't go to or... What, what, why, why is that not helpful and why is that dangerous? 
I mean, there's certain things that are obvious. Christians shouldn't sleep around. Christians shouldn't get drunk. I mean, th- those things are clear, okay? I'm not talking about clear things that the Bible speaks about. But, I don't know. Well, I'm, I was going to throw some out, but I don't want to. I don't want to. <laughs> I'm thinking of uh, some of the things that I was not allowed to do growing up. But no, I'm not going to say anything. But what, why is it dangerous to... friend of mine was leading a, a Christian holiday and there was a big discussion. What do we do if the youngsters smoke? And, and he said, well, actually, we need to help them with that addiction. But the Bible says nothing about it. What's a much bigger problem is what do we do if they lie? Yeah, yeah. That's, that's a good illustration. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and when we make these certain, you can't do, oh, but, but that's... but know where we are and we're clear on no 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 that that just legal that's legalism that's what the pharisees did and then that also oh did you see um i heard so and so went to um you know um really did they and then you know judgmentalism and and yet we've no idea that people are doing certain they might have a much stronger stance on on something else for example that that you just have no conscience of at all so, yeah. Right. For Daniel, it was this issue. And, but look how he responds with wisdom and integrity throughout it. See, he, he wasn't being awkward. He wasn't thinking, right, listen, listen boys, th- th- this, is, this is our big opportunity. We're, we're, we're going to cause a fuss over this, a big stir. No. So Some Christians do <laughs> seem determined over the slightest of issues to think they're being persecuted yeah you know it's like oh no you know i mean ah dare i say the covid word anyway so so some christians over covid yeah no i won't say anymore i'm going to cause problems um but yeah churches actually split over differing views and things they really did split which was just just tragic tragic um let, let, let me get back to um, something that's very, very dear to my heart. Um, this, this, was, this was no small thing um, to make a resolve over, okay? Um, and especially if you're like me and you like pizza and puddings. Now, if we see the next slide, I tried to find a picture of um, pizza and puddings. That, that was all I could come up with, um, I'm afraid. Apparently, there is a new Yorkshire pudding out that's got pizza filling. And it's divided people, but it's something they seem to like in Yorkshire, apparently. But, um, yeah, I, I wanted to have a nice big, I don't know, lemon meringue or something. But any, anyway, I mean, this, this was a big thing. Verse 8 says he's courteous, how Daniel requests the chief official to decline the food. Verse 9 reminds us again of the hero of the book. You see the words there? Now, God had caused the official to show favor to Daniel. But as much as he liked Daniel, the official, he preferred to have his head still on his shoulders. And so he said, no, 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 I'm, I'm not doing that. Sorry, Daniel. And um, he just explains to Daniel, look, listen, this is, this is just madness. Can't do this because you, you're going to look terrible. I, I'm in charge of making you look as great as possible physically in every way. 
So Daniel, having had enough, he just launches into some big tirade and he says, I knew it. I knew it all along. It was because I'm one of God's people, the Jews, and and you're just picking on me and you're singling me out. I'm going to flodge a formal complaint. No, no, he doesn't. Again, some people, some Christians, you know, they believe they're being persecuted at work. I think sometimes they are because they're Christians. I also, dare I say it, think sometimes they're being picked on at work because they're a pain in the neck. And they're really difficult. Now, I'm not playing down difficult scenarios that, you know, some of you might, may well be facing. But Daniel's drawn his line. The official says, Mm-mm, no can do. So he's... So he rubs out his line and he moves it. No, no, he doesn't. He doesn't. And so he suggests the Daniel diet. Now, the Daniel diet is um, a, a diet that's, that's well known after people have indulged, um, like we will be doing at half time. Um, it knocks out all meat, fish, dairy, nuts, um, We've, we've knocked, we're on the Daniel diet now, so sorry. The guy there has just been told to say no to the pizza. Um, but this, this knocked out all meat, fish, dairy, nuts, essential proteins, fat signs, calcium, zinc, just, just everything for a balanced diet. Now, if you adopted this, you would lose weight dramatically, but you'd also have a significant drop in energy and concentration levels. Now, now, humanly speaking, there is no way Daniel and his friends would be able now to get their heads around Pythagorean algebra, mythological texts, just on, you know, some clump of flour on a bed of rockets and beetroot and diced aubergine. I mean, it sounds more like lunch at a women's retreat, doesn't it? Um, so Daniel says, look, listen, listen, just, 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 just let us try this for 10 days. The official thinks, oh, ten, well, I've got them for three years. What's, what's ten days? And Daniel, obviously, with his character, he must have proved trustworthy and okay. And what do you know? After ten days, it works. Daniel and his friends look so much better. So the Daniel diet was adapted by young men. Let's see the next slide, please. Now, we have no record, unfortunately, of how the rest of the men felt towards Daniel when their king's wine, their king's king prawns, their king's steak, and everything else had been removed. But I don't know, maybe they were vain young men, and they were thinking, well, hey, I also want A-stars, you know, in Pythagoras. I'm going to look hench like Daniel and his mates. I don't know. But this was a miracle of God. There's no other explanation. You do not get fatter on water and vegetables unless you're sneaking in at midnight pork pies and cream pies, cream cakes. God did this and continued it for the rest of his. Finally, fourthly, God's kingdom alone is an eternal kingdom. Just briefly to finish. In these last verses, we see God reigning triumphant in every way. Notice verse 17. Again, it's God who gives these men all their knowledge and wisdom and helps some come um, miles top of their class because God was at work. 
And so the chief official, whose big three-year task has been completed, he presents them. And Daniel and his friends, look, verse 20. I mean, they smashed it. They got A stars in everything, destroying everyone else in their class. Now, no doubt this helped pave the way to give them these top positions that they were going to be given in the Babylonian government. But notice, almost an aside, the very last verse. And Daniel remained there until the first year of King King Cyrus. Hang on. King Cyrus is not King Nebuchadnezzar. In fact, King Cyrus is not even a Babylonian king. He was a Persian king. This is 60 years in the future. This is God telling us, I've got hold of this. You may be despairing. You may be confused. You may think, what's the point? But I've got a hold of this. I'm in charge. You're right under now, Daniel, the Babylonian empire. It's going to come. It's going to rise. It's going to fall. Notice how the chapter's turned on its head. From the beginning we get evasion and reign and the might of the Babylonians to now. Well, there's not even any mention of the Babylonians in the last verse. They're defeated, they're forgotten, they're history. See the next slide, please. Um, Revelation 11, verse 15. Kingdoms of this world are become the kingdoms of our Lord and of his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever. So, just to close with, what, what's going to be your line? We all need to draw a line in the sand. Listen to what Alistair Begg says. We are in modern day Babylon right now, but God is sovereign even here. Nothing is actually out of control and nothing is about to get out of control. It's oh, interesting. Not if you read the news I've been reading today. But given the pushback of 21st century secularism, you and I are going to have to face some big challenges. The crises will come. The moments will arrive, what we're called to do, and whether we go with the flow of the culture or whether we obey God in the workplace, in our sports clubs, how we raise our children, what we say from our pulpits, and so on. These crises will reveal what is inside us. Don't assume you'll stand equally don't assume that you will have to give in resolve now think through where to draw the line that you will not cross because we can't stay as we are without real action and determination to stand or or the the, culture is just going to come and it's going to wash over all of us And it's going to put us into this state of spiritual paralysis and sleep. The God of Daniel, who is our God, he still sovereignly reigns. He goes before us. He stands beside us. He gives us the strength and the resolve not to defile ourselves. But he even gives us the resolve to shine like stars in this crooked and twisted generation. Right, that's me finished. Could you, um, could you just for the last two minutes, if 
you're terrified and don't want to do this because I'm going to ask you in people twos, threes, fours. Could you just ask or suggest to one another um, how, how as men you might be able to better encourage and help one another when this culture at times can be so anti-Christian? How as men can you perhaps, what, what are one or two things you could better encourage one another with um, to stand and not fall? Just a couple of minutes as we as we finish off. Thanks.